the last time you were captivated by Jesus? Well, that's the question Erica Wiggenhorn presents in her new eight-week Bible study through the book of Luke called Unexplainable Jesus. Erica is with me on the Culture Connection today to hopefully help explain about Unexplainable Jesus. Erica, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you, John. It is such Put, a... like the task before us here. That's right, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> you, Tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you became an author of these kinds of books and other things that you've done, and then we'll get into Unexplainable Jesus a little bit. Well, I first became a follower of Jesus in my uh, early teens, and I had very limited church experience up until that point. I had gone to church with my grandparents a handful of times, and um, it was a church experience where the minister was in a long, flowing black robe with a loud, booming (laughs) voice and uh, standing in a giant pulpit that sort of seemed to be suspended from the heavenlies that occasionally he would pound on to make his point. Sure. So my uh, experience of God was he was a little bit frightening. I had never seen anything like this, heard people talk like that. Um, And then later when um, my father sort of had a a revival type experience and we began going to our local community church and I had a youth pastor uh, explaining the scriptures to me, uh, went through the points of the gospel with me and led me to Christ. And at that point, uh, Pastor Mark said, well, um, Erica, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to have a daily quiet time. And I thought, what's the quiet time? Yeah. And, uh, and so he said, well, you need to sit down, you need to be quiet, you need to read your Bible, and you need to let the Lord um, speak to your heart. And I thought, well, this is going to be hard, because I don't like to sit still, and I don't <laughs> like to be quiet. And that's and, a, that's and, a hard for every Christian. I mean, <laughs> Right? And as I opened up the scriptures, you know, as a young teen girl, I was completely lost. Mm. You know, I didn't know what a plowshare was. I'd never seen an oxen (laughs) or a mustard seed. Um, I didn't know what wheat and tares were. You know, all these things, good and bad eye, you know, all these things that Jesus is talking about. And I... I couldn't understand any of it. Wow. And I remember saying to Jesus, how am I supposed to follow you when I can't even understand you? Sure. And it led to many years of my life sort of cycling in this guilt and shame. Um, I would struggle to read my Bible because I didn't understand it, and so it didn't really... Um, make sense to me, and I didn't know how to apply it to my life, but I knew I was supposed to read it. So when I didn't read it, I felt guilty. But then when I did read it, I would feel ashamed because Christians talked about, like, when you open the Bible, you're meeting with God, and, you know, it's supposed to be this incredible experience in a Christian's life. And then I felt ashamed because when I was trying to read my Bible, I wasn't understanding it or getting anything out of it. And so I thought, well, there must be something wrong with me. 
So after several years of cycling and this guilt and shame, I finally thought, you know what, I'm just going to get some resources. I'm going to get some resources to help me make sense of this book. And I did. And once I took that step and I began to participate in Bible studies with other believers, it became a game changer for Mm -hmm. me. And the Word of God did become understandable, and it did become... um, this incredible time of communion with Jesus and hearing him speak to me in the situations of my life. But I felt a burden for the people out there that were like me, that were just in that cycle of guilt and shame. And I wanted to create tools for them that help the Bible come alive and help them understand how greatly God loves them and how to apply this eternal book to our modern lives. Now, now you mentioned that your desire is to move from move people from beyond knowing about Jesus to encountering Jesus to then actually, you know, knowing Jesus. What do what do you mean by that? Well, I think a lot of times um, when we read our Bibles, um, we can approach the Scripture or approach Bible study. Uh, as merely an intellectual process, right? right yeah. We want to know. We we often will use terminology like, "Well, I, I need to know the Word of God," and we absolutely do. But we forget that knowing the Word of God is just merely the vehicle by which we know Jesus, right? It's the right. it's the thing that God has given us to connect us to the heart of God. It's the revelation of who God is and what he is like. That's the whole purpose of God's word. And then also within it, we're promised that this word is living and active. It's going to, it's going to penetrate our heart. It's going to renew our mind. It's a transformative book. It's going to change us from the inside out. And so I think my hope and my prayer is to get people to understand, like, when you're opening the Word of God, you are not just opening a book to gain knowledge. You're actually being ushered in to the very presence of God as if He were sitting next to you, speaking His very words into your heart and life. And this is the anticipation and the hopeful expectation that I want people to have as they open up the scriptures that you're sitting down and having a cup of coffee with the almighty God, the king of the universe. I mean, this is, this is incredible, right? But we forget, we think, oh, I've just got to know the word. Yeah. Well, that's, that's such a small goal when we think about it in light of what Jesus tells us his word actually is. So what drew you to the Gospel of Luke? I mean, you had 66 books to choose from. What took you to Luke? <laughs> so I love Luke for several different reasons. Um, one of the reasons why I was really drawn to Luke is um, I love how he comes right out of the gate with his Gospel and says, listen, I wrote this for one main reason, and that is so that you may know with certainty the things that you have been taught. Mm. And I feel like we are in an age, a day and age in our uh, Christian faith in America where 
it's almost like we're sort of looked at as, you know, the less intelligent or the foolish or the dummies that we would actually believe that this ancient book and, and you know, is, is true, right? Yeah. And so I was drawn to that because I thought, I, it's so important, and I'm a mom of two teenagers also, John, so this is very dear and near to my heart about passing on the legacy of faith to the next generation. But I thought, you know, if you if you and I could really dive into a particular book of the Bible and know with certainty the things that we've been taught, not just from an emotional um, moment when our heart was stirred and we walked down the aisle, but in in a way that we can reasonably and logically and effectually um, share our faith with others, that's huge. And yeah. so I love the fact that that's where Luke started. Um, on a second note, I think that Luke's gospel is probably the easiest one for us to understand as Westerners, because it's written in a traditional Greek writing style, which is still the style that we use today. I mean, if you go to, you know, your local high school or community college or university, chances are um, you've had the experience of having to write a persuasive essay, right? You're going to start with a thesis statement, and then you're going to defend that thesis statement all the way through with facts and and research. And that's essentially what Luke does in his gospel, is he starts with the thesis that Jesus was completely human. He was completely divine. He is the one and only um, who can fulfill all of the credentials of the promised Messiah. He is God come to earth to save us from our sins. That's Luke's thesis. And then he defends all through his gospel how Jesus is fully human, mm-hmm. fully divine, able to be the promised Messiah and save humanity from um, from sin and death. And so I love that about uh, his gospel. But on a personal note, uh, Luke, it was a physician. And right. I have been married to a physician for over 20 years. And so uh, when I look at how Luke approaches his persuasive essay or his thesis, it reminds me a lot about how my husband practices medicine. Hmm. And it's like, you know, when you go to the doctor, you, you tell the doctor all the things that are wrong with you, right? And then the doctor sort of, the doctor gives you a diagnosis and says, well, you know, I think this is what you have. I think you have the flu, or I think you have uh, influenza virus, or I think you have a head cold, head cold. And from there, the doctor then gives you the treatment plan, right? Well, if this is what you have, then this is what you need to do to get better. And I love the fact that that is how Luke approaches Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can come to the diagnosis, I can convince you who Jesus is, but let's go deeper than that and look inside your heart and say, well, what do, what do you, you and I need to do now? How do we live differently in light of this diagnosis of who Jesus is. And so I love that. Well, we just have a, a few minutes more to go, uh, but I was curious, as you were researching through Luke, w- were there anything surprising, a little little tidbits that you you kind of unearthed as you were working through this that, that fascinated you? 
the thing, well, a couple things that really fascinated me. Um, one thing that I really discovered is um, how rabbis taught hmm. and how that is so different than what we're used to in our American churches and sermons where, you know, our our pastor, our minister will give us, you know, two or three points sort of um, explain the passage of Scripture and then kind of pack the punch at the end, like, okay, well, now this is how you apply it. And that's sort of how our minds are trained to approach Scripture. But yet, when the rabbis would teach, when they would um, explain and uh, share parables, it was very different, and they would have what was called a point of turning in the middle. And so the application piece of the parable isn't at the end, it's in the middle of the parable. Hmm. And so oftentimes, you know, I would be reading through a parable or a story of Jesus, and I'm trying to pull the application out at the end, and I'm actually looking in the wrong place. And so for me, that was a big game changer in how I read the Scripture. Um, You also talk... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the other thing that was a big um, game changer for me in the way that the rabbis would teach is they would often use a technique called the stringing together of pearls. And so they would take one common idea, and then they would give five or six completely different illustrations to help us understand that one particular uh, concept. And so a lot of times when I would read the Gospels, I, I felt like um, listening to Jesus was like watching a pinball go through a, a pinball machine, <laughs> was like all over the place, you know, talking about, uh, you know, foxes and then wheat and then, you know, a lost necklace and then a pearl. And, you know, I'm like, I, I can't, what are, what are they talking about? Um, but understanding how the rabbis taught then it was like, oh, I get it now. This is the common thread that Jesus is trying to get us to realize. So it really helped me uh, read and understand the Gospels in a whole new way. Well, one of the things, too, is uh, you, you talk about how Jesus related to women and how countercultural mm. he was in that. Can you tell us a little bit about that for a second? Yeah, so one of the things, uh, you know, we've all, any Christian woman in America has heard the Mary and Martha story. You know, we're all familiar with it. Uh, It's in Luke 10, and, uh, you know, Mary has this crazy idea that she's going to go out and sit at Jesus' feet while Martha is slaved away in the kitchen trying to be a good hostess. And... You know, for years of my life, I had heard, you know, that the best application of that is, well, you need to sit at Jesus' feet before you tackle your to-do list. Mm. You know, spending time with Jesus is more important than, you know, cooking the next Pinterest-worthy casserole. (laughs) And that's absolutely true. Um, But when you study um, how the rabbis taught and the religious and cultural system during Jesus' time— you know, women never sat at a rabbi's feet. You know, that was com- that was crazy that she did that. It was so completely out of the box hmm. that she would just plop down in this circle of men and think, 
that she belonged there. I mean, she's crossing major gender boundaries in her culture. And what's so interesting is that Jesus commends her for it. And Martha is like, I'm not even so sure she was upset about having to make the casserole all by herself. <laughs> Uh, or bake the bread as much as she was like, Jesus, why are you letting Mary sit out there with the men? What, you know, this is, why don't you tell her to get in the kitchen where she belongs, basically? And for me, you know, as someone who loves God's Word, as someone who loves to bring God's Word to women and encourage them to bring God's Word to other women and the next generation of women, this that was so affirming to me yeah. that, you know, God... Um, he applauded Mary for her desire to learn from him. And for, you know, when somebody studied to become a, when somebody sat at a rabbi's feet, it was so that they could become a rabbi, so that they could become a teacher themselves. And for someone who loves to teach and share God's word with other women, it was just so affirming to me that Jesus says, yeah, you belong at my feet. You belong at my feet to learn from me and what you learn, share with others. And so I love that. Yeah, well, and we all belong at his feet, and so that's such an affirming thing. Now, the book is structured in an eight-week series, and there's a, a daily um, lesson, so to speak, You know, as we look through the entire gospel. Is this something that you recommend— a personal walk, you know, a personal study, or is it a group study, or is it everything and all? <laughs> it's everything and all. Um, if you want to do it as a personal study, you certainly can do that. Um, I would really encourage you to to find, you know, one other person at least to do it with you. Um, you certainly don't have to, but I think there's tremendous power in learning from one another and hearing how God is meeting others in his word at the same time he's meeting us. Um, so it's, it's designed really to be a group study, but you can definitely do it on your own as well if, if that's, you know, the place that you're at right now. And then there's some DVDs that are also available. Tell me what to what find there. Uh, so the DVDs are going to cover uh, certain portions of Luke's gospel that were are not in the study book uh, so it kicks off each week kicks off with a dvd teaching and kind of gives you an overview of what what you're going to encounter in the coming week and then also walks through uh, one particular uh, passage uh, in luke's gospel as well that isn't uh, within the actual study book itself so it's an optional component, but it's one that I would uh, recommend uh, just to give you every single verse and you don't miss a thing. Yeah, great. <laughs> well, okay, so how can folks get a copy of the of the, the study and also keep in touch with you? Uh, so the easiest way to keep in touch with me is through my website, uh, which is just my name, ericawigginhorn.com. And there's uh, lots more information about uh, this particular study as well as other studies that I've written and uh, a contact form if you, if you want to send me an email or something to that effect, uh, as well as different social media sites if you want to connect that way. 
Uh, the book and the DVDs are available um, pretty much anywhere where Christian uh, books are sold. Uh, the publisher is Moody Publishers, so you can obviously order them uh, directly off of Moody's website. Uh, you can also get the DVDs in, if you don't have a DVD player or you want to use them for your church or small group. They have uh, digital downloads that you can also purchase, which is the exact same price as the DVD. Great, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can find them at local Christian bookstore. Um, Moody Publishers does offer also a direct-to-church discount. So if you're ordering for your church, uh, your best bet is going to be to order directly from Moody Publishers uh, because you will get a discount and uh, free return shipping. Outstanding. Well, we sure do appreciate you spending a minute with us. And, and let me help our listeners out a little bit. Erica Wiggenhorn, that's E-R-I-C-A, Wiggenhorn, W-I-G-G-E-N-H-O-R-N. I know that I would be getting emails to that effect, so now we have it all set up for everybody. So um, <laughs> thank you again so much, and we look forward to uh, helping others learn about this unexplainable Jesus. That's what we're all about anyway. So. Erica, thanks, thanks for being with us here on The Culture Connection. Thank you, John. It was a joy to be here. All right. Until next time, this is John Graham bringing you The Culture Connection. 